If you don't know me very well, um, I hope you do get to know me because I'm awesome. But uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but it's, in all seriousness, if you don't know me very well, there's one thing you've got to know about me, and that is I love clothing. And I know it, sounds, it may sound strange. Sounds weird. I love clothes. I love to go clothes shopping. I love to shop for clothes. And this and Easter's coming, right? And so this is one of my favorite times of the year. Not just not not the bunny, not the candy. Although I like the candy too much. Um, uh, it's not necessarily the you know the excitement leading up to church, though it is some of that. I do get excited, get geeked up for church on Easter weekend. I'm all excited about that. But um, what really gets me excited uh, is uh, buying my Easter outfit. I'm not kidding. I'm totally serious. I I, I uh, this week yeah, this week I got to do that. And I went over to the mall, and uh, I, I love new clothes. I love to shop for new clothing. I love new clothes smell. I love the mall. I love the smell of the mall. And uh, I know, crazy, right? No, totally off my rocker. Uh, I walk in, and so on Friday, uh, Thursday or Friday, I, I get in my car, and I drive over to the mall, and, and uh, I, I, I get out of my car, and I'm, I'm getting excited. And I walk in the mall, and it's like, ah, Macy. I'm home, you know, that's how I feel. It's like that, that for me is the smell of chocolate chip cookies right there, is that new clothes smell at Macy's. And uh, here's the thing. I go into Macy's, and I'm walking around, and they moved the entire men's department around. I mean, they moved absolutely everything. It's like this is here and that is there, and I can't find anything. I'm, I'm looking for my favorite brand of clothing, which is, anybody? Calvin Klein. There you go. That's right. And we... Uh, but uh, so I'm looking for my favorite brand of, brand of clothing. I'm walking around, you know, I'm like, look at it. And here's the thing. I, every year I go out and I buy a new Easter outfit. I buy something, you know, I want to look good, styling, profiling, looking good for Easter Sunday. And uh, so I'm walking around looking for, and I, I don't choose the clothes. The clothes choose me. I don't pick them out. They pick me. And so I'm walking around the mall, I'm walking around Macy's, you know, I'm looking around trying to, you know, nope, that ain't it, that, nah, that's not it. And, and I can't find my favorite brand until I, until, like a light shone down from heaven and little angels appeared and said, here we are. And, and I walk over and there they are, the, the perfect Easter outfit. And I can't wait to wear it next week. I'm so excited. Uh, I just, I can't wait to wear it because I care about stupid stuff like making an outward impression. And it really, it's, it's not that important, but to me, it's important. And, and uh, so anyway, I, I'm literally looking forward to Easter because I can't wait to wear this new Easter outfit. I know I'm, I'm insane, uh, but uh, um, I, I really do. I, I care about things like outward impressions. And I think we all do to an extent. You know, I mean, we like new stuff, and, and we like the, the status that it brings to us. Uh, you know, I, I like new clothes, you know, because people look, it's like, is that a new outfit? Why, yes, it is. You know, and so uh, we like new clothing. We like uh, new cars. And anybody bought a new car recently? No. <laughs> Some of you have, maybe, or, or maybe new to you. What's the best thing about buying a new car? New car? Smell. That new car smell. Man, you get in that car, it's like, oh, yeah, that's new vehicle. <laughs> anyway, um, new car smells wonderful. New car smell is great. Uh, new, new clothing, new house. Anybody bought a new house? Anybody buying a new house or building a new house? Yeah, new house is great. You know, and we spend lots of money to make our houses look good, to make our new houses look good. So we'll put new, new siding on it or, or new roof or new windows. 
spend thousands of dollars on landscaping, things like that, just to try and make the house look good. We want to make a good impression to our neighbors. We want to make a good impression uh, to the, the people who drive by. Uh, so, you know, we go out, we'll buy a new car. We want to make a good impression. We keep it clean. We wash it. Uh, and by we, I mean you, because I don't. But um, don't look at my back seat. Um, so, uh, but, you know, we, we wash it. Uh, if it gets a little rusty, we do a paint job. Uh, we spray the stuff on the tires to make them glossy and, and look, you know, snazzy and everything. And, and so, you know, we're really concerned about outwards impressions. And, and, and let's face it, we like new things, too. We, we love new things. New houses, new cars, new clothes, new gadgets, new toys. You know, we're all little kids uh, when it comes to gadgets. You know, it's just a, we all like the new toys. Uh, it's just the, uh, the price tags go way, way, way up. Um, you know, new baby. How many of you like new baby? Love new baby. New baby. New baby smell. Oh, new baby smell. Wait a minute. That's not new baby smell. Here, you change baby. <laughs> new baby smell. But no, we love new baby, right? We we love new things. We love new stuff. And and a lot of times it's because the new stuff brings about uh, a, a good outward impression. Uh, people look at us and go, "Wow, new baby. Wow, new." Uh, clothes. Wow, new car. And, and we want to impress people. And so we go out and we buy new stuff. And, and we get new things because we want to impress people. We want to put that good outward impression on. And the problem is, is that while we go out and we spend all this money on new things to make good, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to impress people who don't really care. They don't. And we think we have to have all this new stuff and we think everyone's going to be impressed with me. No, they're not. Not at all. Uh, you know, uh, we're more impressed with ourselves than we are with other people. Well, look what I was able to afford. Look what I was able to buy. Look at my new Calvin Klein pants and shirt. <laughs> Next week, it's coming. But does anybody really care? Don't answer that. My ego can't take that today, but don't answer that. But when it comes to, you know, we want to make a good first impression, and we, and we want people to look at our new stuff and, and be impressed by it. And, and the problem is, is that while we're putting all this effort into our outward appearances, and we're putting all of this effort into how we look on the outside, the problem is, is that we neglect what's inside. You know, we, ne we neglect the things that, are, that last forever. We neglect our hearts. We neglect our souls. And we, we spend so much time and money trying to improve the outside that we completely forget about what's inside. I, I believe this. I, I believe that God wants to improve uh, the inside because God knows what's on the inside. God knows what's in your heart. God knows what's in your soul. And we can try and fake it till we make it. We can try and put on a good show and put on a good impression. We can try and make God uh, impressed by who we are. And look, God, look at all the stuff I have. And God says, but look at your heart. What is your heart full of? gunk and garbage and God wants to renovate our hearts he doesn't want to do just some kind of he doesn't want to kind of do like a little remodeling project uh, he's not just hanging new curtains and, and sweeping a few floors no God wants to come into your heart he wants to tear down walls he wants to rebuild it and he wants to make it even better because again God's not out to do a, a little fixer-upper project he's going to remodel and renovate the whole thing and he does that through Jesus and that's what we're going to talk about today. Because I believe that God does not want just a bunch of robotic rule followers. 
But no, God wants to have a loving relationship with every man, woman, and child on this planet. God wants to have a loving relationship with you, and he wants to have a relationship with love, based, uh, a relationship based on love with me. And that's what this relationship that we talk about is all about. It's about a relationship of love between you and your creator. And that is made possible by grace through faith in his son, Jesus. That if you'll believe in Jesus, if you'll put your faith in him and uh, repent from your sins and confess your faith and get baptized, God will wash away your sins and fill you with his spirit. And the Holy Spirit will move in to your heart and will change your life and will transform your life and transform your heart and take you from the person that, that is just faking it to the genuine article, to the real deal, the real thing. That God wants to change your life in the best way possible. He wants to remove all the gunk and remove all the junk and fill you with his life. And God can do that. And he's waiting to do that in your life. He's just waiting for you to say yes. He's waiting to make you new. And like I said, we love new things, right? Imagine a whole new you. That's what God can do. And that's what we're going to talk about for about the next 15 minutes or so. We're just going to talk about how God wants to make you new. We've been studying the book of Galatians here on weekends at uh, GFCC. And the book of Galatians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches in the region of Galatia. Now, the region of Galatia is what is now modern-day Turkey. If you haven't been here before, uh, Galatia is in modern-day Turkey. And uh, the Apostle Paul was the one who wrote this letter to these churches. The Apostle Paul is a great character study because uh, the Apostle Paul was an enemy of Jesus. And then Jesus appeared to him. And the Apostle Paul was a bad, bad dude when you were, if you were a Christian in the first century. Uh, the Apostle Paul took people, uh, Christians, and he threw them into prison. He oversaw their executions. You know, the, the Apostle Paul was, he, he was someone to be feared until Jesus appeared to him and changed his life. And so if you ever think, I am too far gone, God could never not, not just care about me, God could never love me because of the things that I've done in my past, because of the decisions I've made, the, the choices I've made, uh, because of the sins I've committed, the things I've done, the things I've said, the things I've believed, I, you know, whatever your struggle's been, I want you to know that if the Apostle Paul can have hope, you can have hope. If, if God could change the Apostle Paul's life from someone who is imprisoning and, and killing Christians, that, that you are not too far gone. You are not too far gone. God can change your life and make you new. And we're going to talk about that today. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to end this series here today, and this has been a great series. It's been very challenging for me as a pastor and a preacher. It's been very challenging to me as a Christian. I mean, this book has really stretched me and my faith uh, it, like no, no other book has. Uh, in, in 21 years, almost 21 years of preaching, this book has stretched me more than any other. Uh, so it's been good. It's been really good, uh, but it's also been hard. Uh, so I don't know how you've responded to it, maybe in your connection groups, uh, but I hope it's been challenging for you too and that it's kind of opened your eyes to some new possibilities and some new things. Uh, starting next weekend, we're going to start a new series called Jesus Is, and it's based on the seven statements Jesus made about himself in the book of John. And uh, we're going to start when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And we're going to talk about he raised, how he raised a good friend of his back to life next weekend. 
So we'll talk about that then. But today we're in Galatians 6, 11 through 18. If you brought a Bible, great turn there. If you're watching online, great turn there. Uh, if not, uh, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 826, the Bible that is. Uh, or you can also follow along on the screen or on your smartphone or tablet. However you want to follow along, just follow along with us. We're going to take this in three little chunks, verses 11 through 13 to start. And Paul says, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Now just pause for a second. Uh, in those days, if you were dictating a letter, you would dictate it to a scribe, and the scribe would write down everything you said. Now here's the thing, is that toward the end of the letter, the author of the letter would tend to take the pen in his own hand and would then begin to write in his own hand. So that's what Paul is telling them, is I am writing this to you now in my own hand, uh, and just so you know that I am the author of this letter. Verse 12, those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. Now the ones Paul is writing about, the one he's talking about, are the Judaizers. And, and the Judaizers were those who were trying to convince Gentile believers that they had to become Jews before they could become Christians. And the sign, the outward sign of being a Jew uh, was circumcision in those days. And so these Judaizers were coming to the Gentile believers and saying, you need to be circumcised uh, before you can become a Christian. And Paul has been arguing against that this entire letter, that that's not what it's about. That's not what it, this is based on. It's all about God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ that we are forgiven and saved, not through following the law. And so he's saying, he, he gives four characteristics of the Judaizers. And, and the first one is this. He says that they were braggarts. And they were boasting about their followers to satisfy their own egos. And he says, you know, they want to boast about you. Uh, and they want to boast about the, the people who were following them and not the people who were following Paul. And it's because they were jealous of Paul. They were jealous of the people who were following Paul and, and listening to him. And so because of their jealousy and because of their egos, they were boasting about those who were moving away from Paul and moving toward them. So they were braggarts, first of all. Secondly, they were persuaders. They were compelling, he says. They were compelling you to be circumcised. They were coercing you into circumcision. It wasn't because you wanted to, but it's because they were lying to you, telling you that you had to do this before you could become a Christian. And so they were persuaders, and not in the good way. They weren't persuading them to follow, God, to, to follow God's grace, but rather they were compelling them and persuading them to follow the law. The third one is that they were compromisers. He says, because they're afraid of persecution from their fellow Jews, they were compelling you to be circumcised. Uh, they weren't w willing to stand up for what they believed in. They weren't willing to stand up for grace. Only they were instead compromising the faith and compromising grace uh, in order to get the Gentiles to be circumcised. And lastly, the fourth characteristic is that they were hypocrites, Paul says. He says, they can't even keep the law themselves. and They're trying to make you obey the law. They can't even do it. And let's face it, when we try and make an outward impression, when we try and impress people with our knowledge, when we try and impress people with our holiness, try and impress people with our spirituality, try and impress people with our faith, you know, what do we end up doing? We end up becoming hypocrites. Because, again, we can fake it for a while, but we can't fake it forever. And none of us is righteous. The Bible says, no, not one. None of us is perfect. There was only one perfect man who ever lived. His name was Jesus, and they crucified him. No one 
can follow the law perfectly. No one can follow the law to the letter. We all mess up at, at some point in it, and often many points in it. We all mess up. We all sin against God, and we all do things that we shouldn't. We don't do the things that we should, and so we end up sinning against God. So none of us can keep the law. Only Jesus could, and that's why he came, and he was the perfect human sacrifice for our sins because he kept the law perfectly, which we cannot do. And so the question is, is are you going to follow rules? Are you going to follow legalistic rules and become a legalist? Or are you going to follow Christ? And that's what this next passage is about, this next part here in Galatians six fourteen through 16. Paul wrote, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. He says, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. And so what he says is, I don't want to boast in my converts. I don't want to boast in the people who are following me. I only want to boast in the cross of Jesus. And that may seem a strange thing to boast about, but let's face it, there is power in the cross of Jesus Christ. There is power in Jesus' blood. There is power in Jesus' cross to overcome sin, to overcome temptation, to overcome sin's consequences, to overcome death. There is power in the cross. And Paul says, I'm going to boast in the cross. Uh, it's all about Jesus for me. It's not about myself. It's not about my ego. It's not about satisfying my ego. It is about Jesus. And the only one I want to boast in is in Jesus and in his crucifixion. For in his crucifixion, I find forgiveness of sins. And, and then he says, uh, circumcision and uncircumcision, they don't mean anything. And he kind of repeats the thought he had in, in uh, Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians 5, he said, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And here he says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything. He says, what counts is a new creation. Now, so was Paul changing his mind? In just one chapter, he says, hey, uh, what counts is faith expressing itself through love. And then he says, what counts is a new creation. I think they go hand, to ha hand in hand. Where if you are a new creation, if God has washed away your sins, and he has filled you with his Holy Spirit, and he is changing your life and transforming your life from the inside out, if you are a new creation, then you are going to express that faith through love. So they go hand in hand. And the only thing that counts is a new creation who expresses their faith through love. And then he closes it out in verses 7. Well, uh, he closes it out by saying, Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. And it's not the rule of circumcision. It's not the rule of following the Old Testament law. It is the rule of the new creation. And Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians 5 when he said this. It seem, if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. 
And so we have in Jesus a new life. And we have been made brand new. And then if we have been made brand new, then we need to live that way. The old life, he says, is gone. The new life has come. So quit living the old life and start living the new life. The new life that Jesus has bought for you and for me. And it's a life that is, that is lived by following Christ, not by following rules. And I'm not saying that we can just chuck all the rules and say, I'm never going to obey God again. No, I think that when we become a new creation and the old life is gone, the new life has come, and we are filled with love for God and love for people, then we obey God because we love God. And we obey God by loving people. That's what we do. The Bible says that we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And if we will live a life of love, of loving God and loving people, then we will obey God. And when God says, uh, when Jesus said that if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And so our motivation to obey God is not to be saved. It's not to be forgiven. That can only happen by grace through faith in Jesus. No, the reason that we obey God is because we are saved. And because we are forgiven. And because we love God. And we want to please him. Paul closes out this letter with these two verses. He says, Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. And so, are you following Paul's example? Paul gave us the example. He says, I bear on my body the marks of Christ. In other words, I have suffered for Jesus. I have suffered persecution for Jesus. And eventually, he would die for Jesus. And my question for you today is, are you willing to suffer for Jesus? Are you willing to, even if it costs, calls for it, would you die for Jesus? And I think sometimes we may say, yeah, you know, I die for Jesus. But the real question is, are you willing to live for Jesus? Every single day, to take up your cross daily and follow him. To lay down your selfishness and self-centeredness and follow him. To lay down your sins and follow him. Are you willing to live for Jesus as well as die for him? Paul was. Are we? Are we following his example? And so I want to switch gears for just a second and talk for two minutes about how this applies to our lives. And I think it's, you know, if we're just trying to, to make a good impression, if we're just trying to follow rules, I think we can get into some serious trouble. And in fact, uh, this is what I believe. I believe that following rules can make you a legalist, but following Christ can make you new. And the danger in becoming a legalist is that we start trying to force people to follow our interpretation of the rules. We force people to try and follow uh, a bunch of man-made rules instead of following Jesus Christ. And we see this in some churches. I don't know, maybe you're thinking of, of a church that, where they said, you know, this is the dress code. You've got to wear these clothes and, and you can't wear anything else. And, and you've got to dress this way or you've got to act this way. You've got to act just like us. You've got to look just like us. Uh, in order to be a part of us. And that to me sounds more like a club than it does a church. We have a very simple dress code here at GFCC. Wear something. That's all we ask. Just wear something. Can be a suit, can be jeans. I prefer jeans. That's my journey. That's who, you know, that's between me and Jesus. But our dress code is very simple. Wear something. Because we're a church, not a club. And so when we become legalists and we say you've got to follow these rules and these rules and these rules that are not in the Bible or there are interpretation of rules that are in the Bible, when we say that, then we are in danger of becoming hypocrites because none of it, nobody can keep the rules perfectly. How many hypocrites do you know? 
Or how many people have ever told you, I don't want to go to church because the church is full of hypocrites. You know what you tell that person? Well, come on and join us. We could use another one. Because everybody's a hypocrite to one, you know, in one way or another. You know, we, we'd love to have you. Come join the bunch. But if we're, if we're spending all of our time trying to enforce rules, then we're not spending any time following Jesus. And the way that we are made new is to follow Jesus. So I got a question for you. Are you more worried about making an outward impression than you are about having an inward change? Are you more worried about having an outward impression, making an outward impression than you are about having an inward change? And the change comes from Jesus. When the Holy Spirit moves into your heart, He will transform your life. And, and that's where it starts, is in the heart and in the soul. And like I said, we can put on a good show, we can put on a good impression, we can put on our, our Sunday best. And we do, don't we? We put on our Sunday best when we walk into this building. Everything's fine, everything's great, everything's wonderful. How you feeling? Fantastic. How you feeling? Super. I'm great. Hey, awesome. You know? But deep down inside, we're hurting. Deep down inside, we're struggling. And maybe we're struggling financially, we're struggling relationally, we're struggling with our faith, we're struggling with doubt, we're struggling with sin. We're all struggling in some way. We're all fighting a battle. And, and the thing is, is that when we put on a show, when we make an out, when we're trying to make an outward impression, when we're trying to impress people with the way that we look or the, the things that we say, we don't have any time to focus on the inward change. The inward change never happens. Because we're so busy and so working so hard to try and impress people. And when we try and get everyone to look just like us, we focus more on outward conformity than we do on inner transformation. And I believe that God wants to transform every single one of us from the inside out. And he can do that through Jesus. And when that happens, we will focus less on outward conformity and more on inner transformation. And we will see lives changed. And we will see a church changed. We will see people changed. And things will be different in the best way possible. As Paul closed out this letter, I want to close out this sermon with these words. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirits, my brothers and sisters. Amen.